But Y is supported by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings may vary. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids from Vermont Public. I'm Jane Lindholm. On this show, we take questions from kids just like you, and we find answers. We'll tackle anything you want to learn more about. You all are very curious about the world around you, but you're also curious about yourselves and how your bodies and minds work. So today we're going to explore a really interesting topic that has to do with something that includes both our bodies and our minds. I'll give you a hint, see if you can guess. This something is really unpleasant, but it's extremely necessary and very important to keep our bodies safe. When it works as it's supposed to, you get signals from your brain to your body that can help protect you and keep you from doing things that will damage your body. When these signals don't fire correctly, they can cause major issues. Got any guesses? Here, we'll let the questions themselves give you the answer. What is pain and how does it work? I am Nova. I am eight years old. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm Chloe. I'm from Reading, England, and I'm 11 years old. Why do we feel pain? My name is Lakai. I'm from Mesa, Arizona. I'm 10 years old, and my question is, why do you feel pain when you fall and scrape your knee? So, what is pain. Pain is one of the best protectors we have, right? It keeps us safe. What? Pain is a protector? We've got to learn more about this. And that's right. Today, we're answering all kinds of questions about pain. And our guest for this episode is Joshua Pate. I'm a pain scientist. And what what that means is I do research about pain and, and kind of how that feeling works. I'm also a physiotherapist. Well, that's what we call it in Australia. In America, it would be physical therapist. Josh spends his time helping people feel better and also teaching new physical therapists how to make people feel better. The job of a physical therapist is to get rid of the injuries that are causing pain. But the cause of pain and how to fix it can be really, really complicated. So many things can turn the volume of pain up and down. And so I'm sure people are familiar with the idea of distraction, where if you put on your favorite song or you start dancing or do something else, you suddenly aren't thinking about it and and it's not bothering you as much. But if you put your hand into a cup of ice water and you're staring at it, you'll feel more pain than if you're looking away, for instance. And, And so even just like where you look or your memories or... If it hurt the last 10,000 times you bent over to tie up your shoes, it's probably going to hurt the next time, even if there isn't any damage in your body. And it's just really, really complicated. And it varies so much from person to person. Well, let's get into the questions, because this is a lot about what the kids are wondering who listen and have sent us questions about pain. And several kids want to know, basically, why does it hurt when I get hurt? 
Hello, my name is William. I live in Melbourne, Australia, and my age is seven years. Why is it when I get hurt, it actually feels like it hurts? Hello, my name is Isaac. I'm five and a half. I live in Vancouver. Why does it hurt when you get hurt? My name is Evie. I live in San Mateo, California. I am six years old. Why do ouchies hurt? Why do I feel pain? Because this morning I hurt my knee and I had to get a squirtle bandaid and well, why do I feel pain? That last question is from Victor, who's six and lives in Austin, Texas. And now I really want to know what a Squirtle Band-Aid is. Here's Josh. I think the best way of understanding would be to kind of go into slow-mo. inside. Imagine we could go inside our bodies. And so if you fall over and, and scrape your knee, in slow motion, what's happening is... Your knee, inside your knee, there's little nerve cells, receptors that send a message. And there's one message that goes up saying there's danger in your knee. And then there's another message that's also going up to your brain that says something has touched your knee or your knee has touched something. And so there's a touch message. And those messages are going up to your brain and your brain's having to kind of decide like how much threat is there? How much danger is there? And there's another message maybe coming from your eyes. And, and when you look down and you see there's blood on your knee, um, obviously you kind of freak out, right? And, and so before you freak out, the message is going from your eyes to your brain. And so then your brain has kind of more evidence that something wrong has happened. And if you didn't feel pain, then you'd probably just keep going and you might keep scraping your knee over and over and over. And, and, it, and so we need pain to keep us safe from doing it again. And so in a split second, there's also all these messages going down to different parts of our body. So from our brain, it sends a message down and says, hey, like start healing the knee as quickly as we can. So you, you obviously you start bleeding and try and create a scab and, and another message will go to your muscles and like, stop moving, sit down, like get safe, be in a safe place. <laughs> and there'll be like all sorts of different messages going all throughout your body in a really, really fast moment to try and keep you safe. And so we kind of think of it as like your protective system. And it's so good in those really short-term situations. It means you don't keep scraping your knee. So the feeling of pain can make us stop doing whatever it is that was putting stress on our body or let us know we need to tell an adult or go to the doctor because the pain can signal that something is wrong. But for some people, pain doesn't go away after an injury. Some people feel pain for longer than it takes for your body to get better. And that's that's the really hard side of, of pain. And we call that chronic pain. So it, normally it's like when it lasts for more than three months, it's like, well, the body part is all better. Like we've done the scans, we've had a look at it. Why am I still feeling pain? And so we, we need pain <laughs> on the one hand, but then it really hurts and um, is terrible when it lasts a long time. So is pain physical? Is it something in your body or is pain mental or is it both? Yeah, really good question. I think the latest science would suggest it's, um, we use this word, it's a really big word, biopsychosocial. So there's like biological, which is kind of the physical stuff. like, And then there's the psychological, which is your thinking and your kind of belief systems. And then there's social. 
And so recent studies, for instance, showed your, your postal code um, has, a, has an influence on how well your pain recovered. Like, so how um, well supported you are, who you live with at home, if you've got a job, or like lots of different outcomes are affecting how you feel about your pain. And you can imagine, like, if you had to sit in a room by yourself all the time, you'd just be thinking about the pain over and over and over, and you wouldn't be able to do anything. You couldn't go anywhere. And so having people around to support people have better outcomes and for us that like as researchers that shows us that it's not purely a physical thing but at the same time it's not purely a psychological thing josh gave us an example of a study from several years ago where scientists did an experiment to see if they could affect the way people perceived or felt pain just by having them look at two different things so the scientists had people go into a lab and volunteer to have something painful but not permanently damaging, touch their hands. What they did, they, they had a really cold metal rod, um, it, like well below freezing. So I don't know in Fahrenheit, but in degrees Celsius, it was minus 20. Um, so really, really, really cold. And if you touch it with your the back of your hand, it, it almost like burns you. Like it's really, really freezing. And what they did was they, they touched the metal rod on people's hands and they would change whether there was a blue light on or a red light on in the room. And you might be thinking, what does that have to do with anything? And so as they were, they'd feel the, the pain from the rod, they would have to rate how much pain they felt. So zero out of 10 is no pain at all. And all the way, five out of 10 is in the middle and 10 out of 10 is the worst pain imaginable. And so you can, can you imagine lots of people going through this research and they had to keep rating how much pain they felt, how much pain they felt. And the rod was always the same temperature. It was always the same amount of tissue damage happening to your body, but the amount of pain people felt fluctuated and changed a lot. And what was really interesting with the study is that if people had the red light on, they felt more pain than when the blue light was on. And to me, this is just bizarre. And until you start thinking more about like, what's the meaning of red? Like, why would you feel more pain when it's red? And, and in like our day-to-day -day life, you, you go to brush your teeth and you see a red tap and that's the hot one or in the shower or the bath. or And then you go, go in the car and there's a red stop sign and there's a red traffic light. And so red is about danger and stopping and hot. And we associate red with kind of bad stuff and alerts and just be careful, like the, the lights flashing, that kind of thing, fire trucks. All of these things are red. And so in our society, we've kind of created this meaning that red means like watch out and, and we should be on alert. And so you would feel more pain, right? If you're on, on high alert, whereas blue is the opposite. It's like the color of calm, blue skies, drizzling rain and water, all, all nice stuff, like calm things are blue. And so potentially, like th this is just a hypothesis, really. Like we're trying to understand how this experiment works. And, and and it's so interesting to see that if you, yeah, if you have this expectation, then it's going to change how much pain you feel. I reckon that's really exciting to know that pain is changeable. Like the feeling isn't fixed. It's different for every person and every time it happens. Which is why it can be so challenging to figure out how to treat it, right? Too, because it, you, a doctor knows what to do if you break your wrist. But if pain has all of those other parts to it, that some of it might have to do with how many resources you have to help you out, or if you live in a safe place that makes you feel comfortable, 
or if you have time to recover well, you might feel less pain. Or even if you have somebody who can give you lots of hugs if hugs are what you want, that might help you with the pain. So that's really hard to deal with how to address or help someone through pain because it's not as simple as saying, we're going to put the bones back together and we're going to put a cast on you until they heal. It'd be nice if it was as simple as that, but yeah, unfortunately it's not. And so a lot of clinics around the world for for kids who are feeling these pains are getting set up um, where they see a doctor and a physical physical therapist and a psychologist all all together and um, this kind of multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary clinics. The outcomes of those are are really promising in in the research compared to just seeing one person trying one thing, like you might get one medication or one surgery or one exercise or one like mindfulness or whatever it is, having one strategy is probably not really enough. When it gets complicated, you need to be trying and like kind of tackling it from lots of different angles at the same time. Um, And so, yeah, having a a good friend around makes a big difference, but that's not always the case. Like, yeah, it's, it's really tricky. I think that's pretty fascinating that pain can be caused by an injury But the way we each experience pain is also influenced by so many other factors, including our personality types, how safe we feel in our homes, or what our expectation is about how the pain is going to feel. And as Josh said, there's some amazing research trying to help people deal with pain in all these different ways to make sure we're not just healing our physical injuries, but making the pain go away and not linger or stay after it has outlived its usefulness. Remember, that kind of pain is often called chronic pain when it sticks around. Coming up, we'll learn about why we say ow when we get hurt. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids. I'm Jane Lindholm. Today we're exploring the concept of pain, why we feel it, and why it's different for everyone. Our guest today, Joshua Pate, told us pain is biopsychosocial, meaning how we experience pain has to do with our body, our mind, and social factors like our belief systems, and even how much support we have at home and school or work. It's pretty fascinating and pretty complicated. And lots of you have sent us great questions about pain. So now we know that pain is usually a symptom or a signal that something is wrong with our body. But what's up with crying from pain? My name is Charlie. I'm in third grade and I'm nine years old. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. Why do we cry when we get hurt? My name is Eleanor and I am almost 10. I'm from Cedar Falls, Iowa. Why do we cry when we get hurt? My name is Noah. I am nine years old out of La Cañada, California. Why do people cry when they get hurt? Hi, my name's Emma. I'm nine years old. I live in Roseburg, Oregon. Why do we cry when we're sad or get hurt? My name's Talia, and I am eight years old. And I'm from Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And I am wondering, why do we scream when we're in pain? Yeah, I, I have a young baby. And, and I uh, when you when you asked that question, then it made me think of little Henry. And he cries to, to kind of call out, right? Like it's to get help. Uh, and pain is really good at attract, getting us to, like it, it's invisible, but it help, when we call out or we cry, it helps us to get someone to come. And and there's some research looking at whether or not crying actually makes you feel better or not. And it's a bit of a tricky one. I don't know. 
I don't think I have a perfect answer, but I think it's kind of like, ah, like come and help me. (laughs) And it can make you feel better if you do that. So yeah, I don't think we should we should like bottle it up and, and hold it in. I think it's good to call out and get and get support. Hi, my name is Isabel and I am nine. I live in Seattle, Washington. And why do humans say ow when they get hurt? Do you know anything about the background of that word? How did we start? I mean, that's an that's what we say in English. There are other words that we say in other languages too, but we often have a word that means Yikes, something just hurt me. Yeah, and it is different in different languages. I I read a cool study from some very clever scientists who went and and looked at this in different languages and different ages. As our brains develop and our bodies develop, we learn different ways of communicating what we're feeling. And so, for instance, once you get to about the age of eight and kind of through to 12, you're able to think and, and kind of go, well, that's what happened for mom or dad or my brother or sister. That must be what's happening for me. And we often copy kind of what we can see around us. Whether we're crying or saying, ow, many scientists think the reason we make any kind of noise at all is because it actually helps us feel better. In addition to alerting someone that you might need help, they think calling out or making a physical motion, maybe like banging your fist on the floor if you've slipped and twisted your ankle, interrupts the pain signal to your brain, so you don't experience as much pain. Pretty interesting, right? Hello, my name is Emma. I'm from Jefferson, Oregon. I'm eight years old. Why do I always hurt, but then after a few days or a few months, I stop hurting? How does pain stop? For me, the way I think about it is like, how. so your brain is, it's got this like scale of how much do I need to be kept safe right now? And so if the if the problem in your body is gone, then your brain is getting these messages saying, yeah, it's all clear down here. My knee's okay now. Um, and so your brain wouldn't need to create that feeling of pain to keep you safe because it's it's all gone. So you have mentioned that some kids and adults feel pain all the time, even maybe after whatever injury happened to them might be gone or might feel pain that they just can't get rid of for whatever reason. What should kids know about what we call chronic pain? I think the number one message would be that it's really complicated and it's hard to understand. Like often people are trying to not show it as well because they don't want to be a burden to everyone. And so being really supportive can make a huge difference and, and being understanding can make a huge difference. So if you know someone with pain, kind of just being aware and starting to notice that there's lots of different things that are influencing how they're feeling. So mood and and memories and all these different stuff, these different things we've been talking about. I think it's nice if we can try and be more understanding. And then if people are seeking care and they're only getting one bit of help at a time, or maybe someone's promised that they can put their back back in or something silly like that, that makes no sense, but they're becoming really reliant on a medication or something like that it can be a great time to start pursuing that care from lots of different health professionals at once if we have access to it. And and not everyone has that access, unfortunately, but education is now becoming more and more available around the world. And I think that's kind of the, the starting point. So if, if people can learn that pain is complicated, that's a great start, um, but that's not the whole solution. It's just the starting point. In addition to all his regular work on pain, Josh has written some books for kids about pain. 
They're called Zoe and Zach's Pain Hacks. In the books, the kids, Zach and Zoe, learn more about the causes of pain, and they develop action plans to deal with it. Yeah. It, my dream is that the next generation won't have to face as big a burden of pain. Um, and, and so it's like, well, if understanding and, and knowledge and beliefs have such a big impact, we should try and help the next generation. And, and so if you think for us in Australia, um, skin cancers were at a really high rate in the 1980s. And then there was an education program on TV and at schools about putting on a hat and wearing sunscreen. And now a couple of generations later, it's the norm. Like my kids always wear sunscreen and a hat and, and the rates of skin cancer have dropped right down. Or you can think about seatbelts, like your parents probably didn't wear seatbelts as a kid. And, and now it's a really normal thing to do because we know that they, they look after us and they keep us safe. And my kind of our thinking and what we want to test is could we do the same with pain if, if everyone understood that pain was really complicated would they start caring for each other differently and and seeking care in different ways and and trying to get the best available care rather than just going oh well i've got to live with it yeah and so maybe reducing that overall burden is possible if we if we educate everyone josh says one easy action step for all of us is to think about breathing exercises. Yeah, I, I think a, a breathing exercise is a really nice starting point. And there's lots of different ways of doing that. Um, if the breaths are slow and really deep, um, so some, some resources call it like belly breathing or really slow breaths. So if you're feeling really agitated and your pain is bad, having a series of breaths, whatever works for you, can make a big difference to the way that you're thinking about it um, and to practice doing this, because again, it's not something that you're very good at straight away. It takes a lot of practice, but it's the sort of thing that it can mean the difference between say you get injured on the sporting field. If you do the breathing exercises, for instance, it might mean that you get back to playing rather than having to have a week off or, or missing out on school the next day. And, I, and health professionals, that's what they really care about is getting you back doing more of the stuff that you love doing. That was Joshua Pate. He's a physical therapist and the author of Zoe and Zach's Pain Hacks. Thanks, Josh. And even if you aren't dealing with chronic pain yourself, we hope that you now have a better understanding of how pain impacts others and what we can do to help friends and family members who are dealing with it. Plus, how maybe to think about pain in our own lives when we experience it. That's it for this episode. If you have a question about anything have an adult help you record it. Then they can send your audio file to questions at butwhykids.org. We can't answer every question we get, but we do love hearing from you and knowing what's on your mind. It helps us shape our episodes. But Why is produced by Melody Baudet and me, Jane Lindholm, at Vermont Public. Our theme music is by Luke Reynolds and we're distributed by PRX. We'll be back in two weeks with an all-new episode. Until then... Stay curious.